Good morning. Well, today is the fourth installment in our 167 series. If there are 168 hours in the week and we spend one of those here together, then what do we do with the other 167? And what does God's Word have to say about those things? Um, we do have these stickers again for you this week. If you didn't get one last week, they have a 167 on them. So if you want to be reminded of how God wants us to carry our faith into all the hours of our week, um, you can grab one of these on your way out today and stick it on your car or in a place in your home, prominent place in your home or somewhere where you can, uh, it's, it's a great conversation starter too. What is 167? What does that mean? So they're, so they're really great. So you can grab one of those. Uh, so far in this series, we've talked about work. We've talked about play, and we've talked about rest. Today, we're going to take maybe a little bit different angle, and we're going to look at our thought lives during our 167 hours. Uh, but before we jump into that, I have a little game for you. Uh, what, what is, in your opinion, the best song lyric of all time? I want you to think about that for just a second. I, I was wondering about that this week, what people would say, so I entered it into my internet search engine, and I found out that people have a wide variety of opinions of what the best song lyric is of all time. So here's the game. I've got six lyrics I'm going to put up on the screen. I want you, these are all lyrics that people said were their favorite of all time. I want you to tell me who the, either the band or the original artist who sang this song is. You're already, you're already on to it, but here's, let, me, let me read this one for you. Yesterday, all my troubles seemed so far away. Now it looks like, as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Who was that? Beatles. Beatles. Good. You're, you're very good at this. Okay, next one. <laughs> I can't live with or without you. You too. Excellent. You guys are good. Okay, here's another one. Some will win, some will lose, some were born to sing the blues. Oh, the movie never ends. It goes on and on and on and on. Journey, good. <laughs> Impressive. All right. They get, they get a little bit harder as we go, but I think you may, might be able to get all of these. Um, well, well, I've been afraid of changing because I build my life around you, but time makes you bolder. Even children get older, and I'm getting older too. Fleetwood Mac, yes. Nice, impressed. Okay, I've got two more for you. I woke up this morning, smiled at the rising sun. Three little birds sat on my doorstep singing sweet songs. Yes, Bob Marley. And then, and then finally this last one. Uh, you'll be, it, it's, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. ACDC. Yes, yeah, so as you can see, people have widely varying opinions about what the greatest song is of all time, or great, what the greatest lyric is of all time. Well, today we are going to look at some lyrics from the Old Testament. Um, these are found in the book of Psalms, and I believe that they are some of the most poetic words ever written, and I'm not the only one who believes that. C.S. Lewis once wrote, uh, that he took this psalm to be the greatest poem in the book of Psalms and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. So we're going to look at Psalm 19 today because Psalm 19 is going to give us a really great perspective on the life of our minds and, and how we spend uh, our time thinking and our thoughts during our 167 hours. Um, this psalm has three parts in it, so I want to um, invite you to open to Psalm 19 if you have a Bible, and if not, you can look out on your your app on your phone, if you have one of those, or you can look on the screen, as always, we have the words up there. 
Uh, the first part of this psalm shows us that God reveals himself through his creation. So here we go. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from its pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. And now in the second part of the psalm, as it moves on, now it begins to tell us that God reveals himself through his word. Picking up in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. And then in the third part of the, the psalm, the shortest part, the D King David, who wrote this psalm, offers a prayerful reflection on all that has preceded it. He says, Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. And then he concludes with this. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful word for us today. We pray that you would just seal it on our hearts and help it to impact our minds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what do you think about during the week? Can you imagine if you were forced to express every thought that went through your head out loud so that everybody could hear? That would be a terrifying reality, wouldn't it? I mean, God's word it tells us in Philippians chapter 4 that we should be thinking about things that are true and noble and right, pure, lovely, admirable. If anything is praiseworthy, these are the things that God tells us to be thinking about. But if we're all honest and if truth be told, there are many thoughts that run through our mind during the week that don't fit into any of those categories, do they? We have thoughts that are untrue and impure. We have misplaced desire, which causes us to daydream about all sorts of things that aren't God's best for us. If we're honest, we would have to admit that we think about harming the person who cuts us off in traffic. We, we think about all sorts of things, uh, about taking advantage of other people. And, and our minds can be so filled with fear and worry that it can totally cripple us. Now, my intention today is not to hit you over the head about every single misplaced thought that you have. We all have them. Uh, but what I do want to do is to help, uh, help all of us, myself included, is to turn our focus a little bit in our thought life so that God can begin to transform the way that we think. 
Romans 12 talks about how God can renew our minds or renew our thinking. And that's really what today is all about. Thoughts lead to actions. And thoughts can impact our mood. When our thoughts are consumed with greed and anger and lust and anxiety, we are going to be much more apt to act out in ways that are unhealthy. But our minds don't need to be so consumed with these destructive thoughts. There is another way. And it is characterized by great peace, big joy, large love, and increased compassion. And it's characterized by people who are feeling much more comfortable in their own skins. Psalm 19 gives us a roadmap for this. As we said, the first section celebrates God's creation. So here's a simple truth for us. Our thought lives will be transformed when we become more aware of God's greatness and glory, which is being revealed all around us. When we open our eyes and we see a bigger reality than what can be contained in our small little brains and our small little world, then we give God rich soil in which to work. Now, when King David wrote this psalm, he had no idea uh, everything that we know about our solar system and our universe today. He didn't know that the sun is 93 million miles away from earth. He didn't know that, that the earth revolved around the sun. He didn't know how huge the sun was, that it takes up 99.86% of the mass in our solar system. And that you could fit one million earths inside of the sun. He didn't know how huge it was. And that really it is tiny compared to other stars. There there are stars out there that are 1,700 times bigger in radius than our sun. David didn't know any of that. But still he was in awe of what he saw in the heavens. He said the heavens declare the glory of God. He said the skies, now they can't speak but somehow they are speaking. Night after night, day after day, they are telling us of God's greatness. They're saying, do you see how immense and amazing our God is? Take a break. Look into the, stu- into the sky. Contemplate the stars and be amazed at who God is. Theologians refer to the ways that God reveals himself in, in indirect ways and shows that he's here in indirect ways as general revelation. Uh, This means that when we look at all that God created, we say, man, there has to be a God. The size, the regularity, the diversity of our solar system scream out to us that we have a clever, detail-oriented, ginormous God. And the transformation of our thoughts begins when we live with a greater awareness of, of God's glory all around us being revealed and what he's created. And it's not just in the stars, right? I mean, right here on earth, we can look at so many things that reveal something about our creator, the vastness of the ocean, the complexity of a human cell, the growth of a vine, a beautiful vista. They all can speak something about the one who created them. So God invites us to see his handiwork everywhere and to be amazed and to let that elevate our thoughts and raise our awareness of God. The second section of the Psalm 19 celebrates God's word. Now, if God has revealed himself through creation, he also has revealed himself through his word in a much more direct and a much more full 
and a much more personal level. One of the things that our English translations have a hard time capturing is, is something that happens in the first section of this psalm. David refers to God by the generic term God. But when we get to the second section of the psalm, he begins to use God's personal name, I am. And so we see that God reveals himself through creation in kind of um, this indirect way. God reveals to us through his word who he is, how he operates, what he's like, and how he interacts with humans. And so that kind of revelation is a greater revelation about God. And David uses a number of synonyms to refer to to God's word. Law, statutes, precepts, commands, ordinances— He does this to show that all of God's words are great and beneficial. And he says that it's sweeter than honey. I think that's really appropriate on this weekend. Did anybody go downtown for the the honey festival yesterday? Uh, I like to think that if it were today, he'd say something like, it's sweeter than a hot fudge sundae at Ghirardelli Square. I mean, yes. I love another image that's used in Scripture to describe God's word. Um, Jeremiah, in his 17th chapter, says this, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. Psalm 1 gives us a very similar picture of uh, of this tree planted by the water, and it talks about that people who build their lives around the law of the Lord are people who will be like this tree planted by the water. Now, if you were going to, uh, if you were going to plant an orchard on the central coast, now I want you to imagine for a second, this may be hard to imagine, but imagine that there was a stream that never ran dry, that even during the worst droughts when all of the lakes and everything else had dried up, this stream was filled to the brim. And you had the option of planting your orchard next to this stream or somewhere else miles and miles away on a plot of land that's been known to have its well go dry. Where would you plant your orchard? It's a no-brainer, right? You want to be by the stream. Well, Jeremiah says that those who build their lives around God's word are like that tree planted by the water whose roots are going out to the stream. And even in the worst drought, they're still fruitful. If you had the opportunity to build your life on something that would be continuously nourishing to your soul, that would enable you to bear fruit in your life, even when things are hard and difficult all around, if you had that option, wouldn't you want to plant yourself there? Well, God invites us to spend time in his word. And when we do that regularly, our thoughts begin to be transformed. Reading scripture in the morning helps us to take a whole different approach into our day. It gives us perspective on our ups and and downs. It gives us more patience. It makes us less reactionary. It'll help us be more compassionate and less defensive. Reading scripture before bed can make a huge impact on our lives as well. It'll help us make sense of our day. It'll help us combat the restlessness that's caused by fear. And it will work in our minds even as we sleep. So I don't know when the best time is for you to spend time in God's word, but regular immersion in God's word can have a great impact on our thought lives throughout the day.
Um, and we live in this incredible time. I, I want to show you a quick uh, video clip that's going to show the, the version app that we were talking about earlier during feedback that Katie and Jill were talking about, that the, the men's Bible study is using and, and trying, to, trying to enter this new world of, of reading the Bible on our tablet or our, uh, our smartphone. And I, I just want to show you this quick video to show you different ways now that God's Word is available to us. So check this out. This is the Bible. It's more than something you read. Although you can do that too. But now it can also read to you. Show you timeless stories in a whole new way. Or even help you share what you've learned with someone you know. Read, listen, watch, share. Now you can do all of that and more. Because now the Bible is an app. Download it for free at bible.com app. Okay, so we have God's Word available to us in ways that, that those who wrote Scripture could have never dreamed about. And, but if you are like, hey, I don't like smartphones, I don't like tablets, I, I want a book in my hand, and I want to be able to read the Bible this way, we have Bibles for you if you don't have one here um, today. I want to encourage you to immerse yourself regularly in Scripture and to become like that tree planted by the water, getting that sustenance and that life uh, and that water for your soul regularly. Then in the third section of the psalm, David offers a reflection on all that has come before it. You know, one of the side effects of becoming more aware of God through his creation and through reading his word is that all of a sudden we begin to notice that we are falling short of God's perfect standard in our lives. And that can be something that can be a little scary, um, but it's also something that can lead us even deeper into relationship with him. And so David, he confesses when he recognizes how great God is, he confesses uh, that he has committed, uh, he has willfully disobeyed God, and he also recognizes that he's disobeyed God in ways that he didn't even realize were disobeying God. So he, he confesses them both, and he, and he offers up this confession to God. And so I want to encourage you to make confession a regular part of your 167 hours. And, and I want to tell you, you don't have to go through any human being to do that because Christ is our priest and Christ is our mediator. So we can go directly to God through Jesus Christ and confess to him the ways that we have fallen short of his glory. And then we can know that we are forgiven. No matter what you've done, when you confess your sins to God in faith, you are forgiven. And so then as forgiven and grateful people, then we can take on that prayer, that amazing prayer at the end of this passage where, where David says, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. When we pray this prayer, we give God an invitation into our thought lives. We ask him to transform them. We pray, that, we pray this prayer both as an act of volition, saying, this is what I want to do, but we also say it as a prayer, knowing that we can't do it alone, that we need God's help and we need his strength in order for us to live out these promises. And the good thing we know is that God's spirit is with us. When we make this prayer, when we ask God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, we know that God's Holy Spirit can be working through us to do the impossible. 
So let's make room for God's Spirit to do His work in our lives. Let's put the three elements of this psalm into practice. First, let's live with an awareness of God's greatness and glory being revealed all around us. Let's immerse ourselves in God's Word so that we can learn about Him and think about Him during our lives. And let's state our desire to have our thought lives be transformed. And then let's ask for God's help. I want to close to 